Our scripture reading today is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. And our message is entitled today, Defending and Proclaiming Our Faith, Our Purpose. <clears throat> you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its salt, saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. Let's take this time just to say hello to one another one more time. Just say hello to people to the left of you, to the right of you. Uh, today we begin a new series that will take us through the end of the year on defending and proclaiming our faith. In this series, we're going to try to understand how it is that we as Christians fit into this world, how we should interpret this world, and how we should best sort of engage this world in a way that's honoring to God. For many of us who've, who've grown up here in the States, or just being human, we've sort of learned how to live amongst people. We've learned how to socialize. We've learned how to, to use Facebook and to use all these other social apps. And we've learned how to sort of communicate with one another just as human beings. But we've been called out of this world as his people as sons and daughters of the living God. And in such, our identity and our purpose has changed. It's different. It's immense. And we have to learn how to live in this world in such a way that honors God that allows us to be who we are and allows others to see the grandeur of God's grace and God's mercy. When you were born again, you officially became a stranger in a strange land. And it's our duty through God's word to understand how to navigate this world, to bring him glory. I think the first question that many people have is what is the purpose of the church? We here are Christ's covenant Presbyterian churches. And there's many churches all around Atlanta, all around Georgia, all around this world. I mean, you have to ask that question 
Why did Jesus himself, when he came down and saved us, and he walked with us, and he resurrected from the dead, and he, and he talked with his apostles, and he told his apostles, listen, I have to go. I have to leave. I have to leave so that the promised Holy Spirit will come to you. And the apostles were like, no, you need to stay. Your presence here is what allows us to know you. Your presence here allows us to communicate with you. Your presence here gives us strength, gives us power. I guarantee you right now, if Jesus were to come here in the flesh, all of you, because of seeing him physically, would bow down to him and worship him. There will not be a single dry eye in this room. And there will be nothing except joy and satisfaction in having him here. And that's how the apostles felt. But Jesus says, I had to go. I have to leave. And he left and he sent and Pentecost his Holy Spirit upon his people. And his purpose of doing so was to form what he called his body, or what Paul calls his body, the church, of which Christ is the head. Our Lord Jesus Christ has a plan. And that and what's central to that plan is the church. You are the church. You are the goal of Jesus' coming and leaving. And we have to understand if God himself purposely made these churches, what's our purpose? Now there's many different passages we could go to. We can go through Matthew, we can go to the, the Great Commission at the end of Matthew. You know, we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I chose this passage because I think this passage encapsulates that. But I think this passage also gives us a more holistic view of what we as a church need to be doing. We are not, a church is not a place to make friends, although you will make friends. The church is not a place where you will be able to unload all your burdens alone although you will be able to do that as well. The church is not simply a place where you can sing songs, although we will sing songs to the Lord. But the church has a special mission here that God has given us. And unlike in Missions Impossible, where, where, where the, the Hunt character had a choice to take this mission or not, you don't have a choice. This is your mission. God says to us, you are the salt of the earth 
and you are the light of the world. Already we see here a juxtaposition that we have a role in this world that is different from being a mother, being a parent, being a healthcare worker, being a musician, being a business person. That our role as a church is akin to being this element called sodium chloride salt and this constant called letter C, light. And he likens that to who we are. So let's look, shall we? To see who we are. Let's look to see what our purpose is. He says in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall the saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Okay. There's a warning here before we go on. The warning is, is this, is that we as a church could actually not be doing what God wants us to do. That if we don't act as the salt, that we will be thrown out. That we are actually useless. Now this is a warning for us as Christians to, to sort of recalibrate our, our hearts and our minds again and say, I, I need to obey God. I need to do and to walk with Him. Remember the uh, last three weeks we went through John 15, the vine and the branches. That Jesus says, I am the vine that you, and you are the branches. You will bear fruit if you remain in me. But anyone who does not remain in me, they will not bear fruit. They can't bear fruit. In fact, they'll be cut off, put together, thrown into the fire. And, and, and it's the same warning here. The same warning for us is take a hold of yourself again. And as the Christian, look at your heart. Christ's covenant Presbyterian church, look at our church, look at our ministry. And ask ourselves, are we bearing fruit? Are we being the salt that God wants us to be? Now in the ancient world, and, and if you've grown up in grade school and you've gone through these sermons, you, you'll know that salt, right, that has two functions in the ancient world. Okay. The first function in the ancient world was, was to preserve food. Okay. And you have to realize something about salt. Salt was um, a precious spice back then. And they would use this precious salt to preserve their meat, to, to last longer so they can eat it. And we do it all the time, right? We, we, we brine pickles and we, sometimes we salt meat still ourselves because you guys like lunch meat and stuff like that, the salty stuff, which is really bad for you. But, but it's there to preserve the meat that is there. What Jesus is saying to us is that we as Christians in this world, one of our duties as salt is to preserve the common good that God has given to us in this world. 
that even though this world is fallen, this world is not completely evil. It's not. Yes, this world cannot see Jesus as Lord without God's grace and God's mercy. Yes, this world cannot recognize that the God who created this world is the God of the Bible. But God has not sort of, when he, came, when he, when, when he sent his son Jesus, that was not judgment day yet. And when God came, he did not say that I'm going to make things black and white yet. But God, even in Jesus' presence here, when he came and he left, and, and, and we know who he is, there are still good things in this world. There are still kind people in this world. We, we know that when, when, G, when Jesus says in the Beatitudes, listen, you who are father and who are evil, know how to give good things to your children. Do not I, the Father of heaven, will not give good things to you. What he's saying is, fathers, you're not evil, evil, but in comparison to God, it's like every father, whether they know Jesus or not, they, they know how to take care of their children. This common grace that he gives to all of creation that allows society to, 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 uh, to sustain and to thrive, to allow people to trust one another, to allow people to make contracts and keep contracts. That, that we as God's people, as salt of the earth, our role and our duty as a church is to help society to help people in our world to at the very least maintain the good things that are still left by God until he returns. Very practically, it means be a good soldier. If you're a health worker, do what is best for the people that you are working with, with your patients. If you're a business person, have the ethics to do what is right and what is fair. If you're a teacher, teach with joy and enthusiasm, knowing that the knowledge that you're giving to the children of this next generation will be helpful for the good of society. Christians should be known as people who contribute to the world for the common good. And not as people who retreat from the world to use all their resources for themselves. College students who are here, my encouragement to you, don't get stuck doing Christian things all the time. It's like, well, what do you mean by that? I mean this. Don't get stuck going to church every day. Don't get stuck doing whatever Christian Bible study you are doing every day. Don't get stuck just having Christian friends and doing Christian things every day. Salt cannot be salt if all it is doing is staying in the salt shaker. Salt can only be used when it's in the world. My encouragement to you as college students especially, yes, Come to church. You need to come to church. That's important. 
but pick an activity that you enjoy doing, ordained by God, and go and do it. Some of you like tennis, go play tennis. Some of you want to be in Korean Students Association, go be in Korean Students Association. Some of you want to do, I don't know, sing, go sing. And be sought there. Do what is best for that club to, to shine and that the common good that is there. What's the purpose of a, of a, of a choir? So sing well and sing beautifully. Go and do that. And let God be honored by your saltiness. <coughs> let people look at you and go, this Christian is not tearing down our club. This Christian is not trying to make a point about his faith. This Christian is helping us to enjoy what God has given us. <coughs> and it's the same for us in our workplace. Our job is to be salted. And yes, it starts with not cursing and not complaining. and it, starts, it all starts there. But we're not there to simply make money. We're still there. We're there to, to contribute to people. Their well-being. Those of you who are now in the workplace in your, your mid to late 20s, you guys are already disillusioned. I know that. You went to college thinking that you know, once you're in college, you'll learn all these things. And college was, oh. And then once you went to the workplace, you thought that this is going to be professional. Everyone's going to know their role and things are going to go smoothly. And, you know, companies, they just, everything just goes like, like clockwork. And you go and you realize no one knows what they're doing. <laughs> you do. You realize, oh, my goodness, how does anything get done? And you realize that most things get done just because there's a deadline. Someone, and things got to get done. But, but instead of looking at that and say, what chaos, you, you, we need to look at that as people who are salt and say, listen, the fact that we get something done, the fact that society works, that's God's grace. How can I contribute to help it? To be a good citizen and to love people that way. Now, we as a church, we can only do that if we rely upon God's grace and God's power. And we die to ourselves. But that's what he calls us to do. He calls us to preserve the good is there. And I just alluded to this, as you enjoy and add to the cultural um, uh, aspects of, of what you're doing, you, you bring what's salt, you bring flavor to it as well. You were able to have that viewpoint that I'm doing this for God's glory and bring the beauty that you see in God to all that you're doing. And that shows. Um, there's this article written, as you know, I'm from Philadelphia. And football season starts today. And um, yeah, I don't know much. But there was this article about the, the quarterback, Carson Wentz. And the article is about the fact that he's a man of faith who believes in Christ. But that he's trying to toe the line about being a Christian, but also 
not sort of proselytizing in such a way that it offends people. But what really struck me about more than the article was not so much that, that question, but was how much joy he plays when he plays football. And when he interviews, how much that joy comes out. And how much he partners with his offensive linemen and, and other people. And how much that love of Christ helps the football team to gel together. He's not like Brett Favre. Brett Favre didn't want to help Aaron Rodgers out at all. He didn't want to do anything. No offense to Brett Favre or Green Bay. But he didn't want to do anything with the, with the backup quarterbacks. But there's, there's something about a Christian who takes joy in what God has given him to preserve the common good and to bring flavor to what is there. Listen, if all you do is look at the dark side of your work and everything that you do, you will, you will be miserable. And some of you are already there. And let me tell you, no matter where you go in this world or what job you have or what school you go to, you can always find that. Always. I'm a pastor. I can find that in being a pastor. There's this, I could find every reason on Monday morning to, I need to resign. This, this is too hard. I need to resign. Look at these people. What's wrong with them? I could find a reason every Monday morning to say, this is it. I quit. So could you. Or I can look at what God has done and is doing. And be the salt that he wants me to be. Preserve the good that God has, has given to this fallen world. Give it flavor. And be that person who enjoys the world that God has given. Secondly, he tells us to be the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand that gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine up before others so that they may see your what? Your good works. That they may see your good works. Um, very simple analogy, but very beautiful. People are traveling in the Middle East, ancient world. The only thing they have is the stars to go by. And as they travel, they're, they're looking for a place of refuge. They're looking for a place to, to water their, their animals, to get food and to, and to rest. And there's a city, a city on a hill. The purpose of the city is not to shoo away people. The purpose of the city is to welcome people. And it shines, you can imagine, like a light in the midst of darkness, giving guidance to people who are looking for a place to stay. 
The church has to be a light. The church cannot hide its light. But the church must make this light known to all. This is our job. This is our duty. What does it mean to shine your light? It says, right, it, it means to do good works, to do good things for God and His glory. It means to look out into this world and see who are the people who need help. It means to love people without generalizing their, their race, their gender, their sexual orientation, whatever it may be, that we are here to love indiscriminately with God's love without expecting anything back. And let me stop here for a second to address something. There's a difference between passion and love. And we confuse those two things way too quickly. We see it, we as Christians, we need to have passion. We need to have zeal. We need to have enthusiasm. I dare say in Scripture, there's only one place in, in, in Scripture where, well, two places where zeal or passion is looked at, a, at, looked at in, a, in a positive way. It's when Jesus had zeal for his house when he tied that whip and chased the money changers out, zeal for, for righteousness. But everywhere else, zeal or passion is looked as a weakness or as a sin. Now, why do I say that? When I see young people like you guys, you, you want zeal, you, you want the passion, you want zeal, and you, you sometimes have it. But there are times when I see that, and you guys work hard, but in the end, I don't see love. And let me say that one more time for the young people here. Oftentimes I see you get fired up, passionate about a cause, and you go and you do it, and you think you're doing it for the Lord, and you think you're doing it because you love them, or you love this cause. But in the end, you get disillusioned, you get exhausted, you become unthankful, you start saying, you know, I'm doing all this, why isn't anyone doing this for me? Why isn't anyone thanking me or helping me? I'm giving so much, why isn't anyone giving to me? What does love do? Now, you can be enthusiastic and have love. But you also have love and not have enthusiasm either. You can do good works without fanfare. You can do good works without your heart feeling, oh, yeah, this, I feel so good about this. Because love is what? Is seeking to help others without expecting anything in return because you've already received everything from God. And to do it with 
open hands and glad hands. And doing with joy. It doesn't have to be enthusiastic. It doesn't have to be like, I need to feel something. It's like, I'm joyful because I've obeyed God. And I've helped someone. Being the light of the world means to go out wherever you are and to help people as Christians. You know, it's unprecedented this year that we've had two, two hurricanes, Category 4, Category 5-ish, um, that's going to wreak havoc in Florida, it's already in Houston. And you know, our duty is, as God's people is what? It's, let's, okay, let's go help, do good works. Something happens in your neighborhood, something happens at school, okay? Let's go help, let's, let's do good works. People need the church. People need you. I love what Tim Keller says about the church. He says, the church is the only place that when you become a member, you're put to work. Everywhere else, when you're a country club, you become a member, you stop working. People are there to wait on you hand and foot. But once you become a member of a church, your job now is to go out and help people. So when you become a member here at this church, it's not so that we can sit and rest. It's so that we as a privilege can go out and work. And you know what's so beautiful about these good works? You might say, well, Pastor Young, you're, you're, you're dangerously talking about, about very, a, a very liberal theology here. The church isn't simply about doing good works, is it? The church isn't really simply about helping people with money, is it? Come on, where's, where's the gospel in all this? Where's telling people that they need to believe in Jesus? Where, where is that in all of this? And I dare say, and, you've, and for those of you who've been in this ministry with me long enough, you, you understand this, is you cannot have one without the other. To simply tell the gospel without good works is... is is, 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 is hypocritical. And then to simply do good works without the gospel is, is to be untruthful. But people will listen to you if, you know, if they know they, you care for them and you love them just the way they are. And when they find out that you are a believer, the best thing that could happen is you have that conversation. Why is it that you're so always so excited about coming to work? Work stinks, but why are you always excited? Why are you so excited about this, this patient who comes in who's always just difficult? Why is your attitude towards our boss who's just, just mean? Why you, how do you do it? And then when you, when you do blow up, how is it that you are able to sort of compose yourself afterwards? How do you do it? Because people will want to know. And the best case scenario is all of a sudden you're, you're sitting there and you're just t- talking about the fact that I'm, I'm a Christian. I go, really? 
Christians do stuff like this? I thought Christians just judge people. No, we're salt, we're light. And at the very least, the promise that God gives us is here. I mean, listen to what it says in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see the good works. And read that last part. Look at that last part. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. These are people who do not know who God is and yet are giving glory to the Father. These are like the men in the boat in the book of Jonah where each one is crying out to their own God at the storm and saying, someone, we've got to be saved from the storm. And Jonah is sleeping. And and they say, Jonah, you you pray to your God. Jonah prays to his God, gets thrown overboard, and they thank Jonah's God for their mercy. And that praise that God receives, even from those people who do not know God, still brings him honor. You know, I've, I've heard it many times in my life, actually, of, of someone saying to me, you know, I don't believe in your Jesus, but thank you for praying for me. Okay, this one for God. <laughs> I remember when Hurricane Andrew hit uh, many years ago, uh, and uh, a friend of mine, his, her father was in the Caribbean islands, and we didn't have cell phones back then, so she was just going crazy, and just... You know, me and my friend, we went and we just prayed for her. And she just said, thank you. And after the storm passed, you know, she didn't really bring up, bring up at all, but that's okay. I'm salt. I'm light. My reward's in heaven. Your reward is in heaven. Christ's covenant Presbyterian church. All you individuals here who know Jesus Are you salt? Are you light? Go. Don't settle for being a Christian who sits on a seat. Don't settle for a Christian who just just wants blessings. Go and be the one that blesses. Go and be the one that changes the culture in, in your in, in your circle of influence, go. And if you have chances to share the gospel, great. And even if you don't, it's great. For that is what we're called to do. And may God challenge your heart to such an extent when you realize how hard it really is to do all of this, that you come back to him going, I need your help, Lord. And may he give you the strength and courage to follow him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. There's no one like you. And we ask of you, Lord God, to help this church to be salt and light. Lord, 
it's so easy for us as your people to get comfortable just doing things, to just sort of feed, as your scripture said, to feed ourselves. You judge the shepherds in Ezekiel by saying that the shepherds did not feed their sheep, but were simply feeding themselves, and so you judged them. Lord, many, Lord, you, we could say the same thing for, for ourselves. And so forgive us. Pray for those who are students and who are working. Help them be salt and light. Pray for us as a church, as a whole, our community groups, our Emory ministry, just all the things that we are doing. Help us to be salt and light. And Lord, we pray that as we go into this world, enjoying all that you have made, may peoples praise you. They may not know who you are, but may they praise you, and may you receive all glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.